Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Holly. And I'm Bridget. And this is Girls Next Level. <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome back to Girls Next Level. We're so excited to get into part two of our Marston interview, but, and we should have done this last week, we forgot to do a favorite and least favorite two weeks ago when we talked about our career days episode. And people noticed. I was like, oh, let it go. Let it go. People I know. Noticed. They're like, wait. <laughs> we love it that you guys are noticing. I feel like for me, it's probably kind of obvious. Like my least favorite of the career days episode is me being a bitch about your car. And my favorite, I think, is just seeing the footage of the Captain Morgan ad and Kendra's cover shoot, even though we weren't there, because I think it was kind of like this little magic moment where we were like, in our 20s, our ingenue era, we're doing our first big print campaigns. So I was trying to think, had I done a print campaign before that? And if I had, it would have just been something small time. It wouldn't have been like, and there's just something kind of like magic moment about seeing that captured and, yeah, you know. I mean, I'm going to agree with you. I don't want to just jump on the bandwagon, but I think that <laughs> um, I think that the the car moment probably, if I could change anything in there, I feel like it would probably be to take that out because it does feel icky watching it back. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. Um, my favorite part was actually being brave enough to wear that devil costume and not freaking out over it because I low-key was sort of freaking out. Really? <laughs> yeah, because oh, wow. it was like so something I wouldn't wear and, uh -huh. and so skimpy and I'm not feeling 100% about my body. Like I like remember looking back on that and thinking, well, at the time, not now, but looking back on it even then and thinking, oh, I look kind of fat and like my belly's sticking out and things like that. And even watching it back now, I know exactly what I was thinking mm -hmm. and exactly where on my body I don't like. And I still see it now. Like, I feel like it's ingrained wow. in me. So like, I always thought you looked amazing in that. Like from the second you walked out in it, I'm like, she's made for that outfit. But I know what you mean because it's different when it's us. And I remember back then just feeling so much pressure. Like I didn't even like sometimes I would do a Halloween costume for the parties and I would design it. So there would be like a garter on one leg because I felt like I had one dent of cellulite kind of on the back of one of my legs. Like it was that nitpicky where I felt like I would just fall down from shame if like Hef or one of his friends or one of the other girls was like, oh, well, she's kind of like gaining weight or, you know, it was that kind yeah. of vibe. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I look at that and I think, fuck, I look amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like totally fine with it. But I can still I still know in my head what part of me I didn't like back then and why. And it bothers me that I even felt that way. Yeah, it's so sad. It's like, I wish I could have taken that anxiety away from myself and like enjoyed life a little more. So I try and carry that lesson with me now. I feel like I tried not to let it bother me or impact what I was wearing or what I was doing. I was mm -hmm. just like, screw it. I'm just going to wear this anyway. And you know what? I'm going to own it because I look good because I did feel like I looked good, yeah. but I knew what... How do I put this? I knew what other people were critiquing me on. I knew mm -hmm. that if my stomach was sticking out a little bit, that people were going to comment on it yeah. or point it out or make me feel fat because of it. I knew that if I, you know, had a bump on my butt or something that and it comes up in the next episode, I think, where I could see like a little bit of like cellulite on my butt the way I'm standing in a certain way. And I'm like, it still bothers me today. Like I look at that and go, oh, everybody was probably commenting on that. Yeah, because that was the environment we were in. Yeah. I mean, I never noticed a cellulite on your butt, but <laughs> but that's how we felt. But before we get into the Marston interview, I have a really serious topic to ask you about. Okay. So you might be kind of like bummed about this. And I know it's like a personal topic, but Halloween season is almost over. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
like, what is about to happen right now? Where are we going with this? Yeah, Halloween is almost over. We only have a few days left. So I want to know, like, did you accomplish everything you wanted to do? Because I feel like it's racing to an end. And I'm like, wait, I didn't do all my seasonal stuff. No. I did not do almost anything that I normally do. Stop. And Give me, list. Give me the breakdown. It's crazy know. because it's just been so busy. Like from the Greece trip, like we didn't mm-hmm. get back until into October. And then there's just been like a lot going on. And then I went home because it was my stepdad's 70th birthday. Uh-huh. So I went to Northern California. My whole family got together, which we haven't all been together in one place in like, I think it was six or seven years. Wow. So we finally all got to be together. And that was like five days home in Lodi. And then I got back from that. And now here it is. It's like Halloween. I haven't had a chance to set up my tree. I haven't carved a pumpkin yet. I haven't, hopefully by the time this airs, I'll have done (laughs) at least carving the pumpkin and maybe making some of the Halloween treats. But no, it's just been like, I feel like I, I haven't even had a chance to enjoy that it's Halloween yet. I haven't even dressed up once. And I usually dress up like six times in the month. Yeah. And, um, but I have gotten to do a couple of things. So, um, obviously we did our Queen Mary. Yeah, that was stuff. fun. Yeah. Well, we did this little episode on our YouTube where we talk about some of our favorite places and the scary stories behind them. But I had a panic about it because I thought I had all this B roll from the last time we went to the Queen Mary and I have zero B roll. And I'm like, oh, this looks like shit. But I always feel that way with stuff sometimes. Like even when we do like our promo photos, sometimes I'm like, these are awful. But then two days pass and I love them. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it'll definitely be on our Patreon though. And we'll also talk on our Patreon podcast about Halloween Horror Nights and who we ran into there. Yeah. So I was going to say, so we did Queen Mary and then we went to Halloween Horror Mm -hmm. Nights, which was fun. And that's a staple every year. If I would have missed that this year, I would have been just devastated. But (laughs) then when I went home, it was also um, Friday the 13th and it was the opening night for Preston Castle. And if you guys don't know what Preston Castle is, it's this school of industry, like for troubled boys. Um, It's been there since like the eight, like late 1800s. It's this crazy castle in Ione, California, which is like 20 minutes from my parents' house. And this time of year, they do ghost hunting and that kind of stuff um, because it's very haunted. There was a housekeeper that was murdered in the basement at one point. And then there's been like, I think 18 of the um, boys had died on the campus and there's a cemetery there for them. So it's definitely haunted. But at this time of year, they actually do like a haunted attraction where you walk through. So that was really fun. This is the first time I've ever gotten to do that. So my brother and his wife and Nick and I and my mom all went to that. So that was fun. So I've gotten to do some things. But not as much as I typically do. I mean, typically this whole month is dedicated to everything Halloween. Yeah, I've done a lot of stuff, but I was kind of panicking because I have not done a costume yet this year. Not that anyone else cares if I'm doing costume. But like for the last five years, I'm like, I'm going to be whatever happened to baby Jane. I have the t-shirt. I made progress. <laughs> Here she is. But um, I'm going to try to do that before Halloween hits. Because I'm jealous of like the celebrities that do their Halloween costume photo shoots every year. And I don't know why I can't get that together. Like every year, Angel and I do a fall photo shoot, which we usually do at the end of September. And I always have time to get that together for some reason, but never like a costume one. So I'm going to try to do whatever happened to baby Jane. Not that that's like a super exciting costume for anybody, but I'll enjoy it. But I love like Kylie Jenner's like when she was Elvira. And she does like a whole photo shoot or like Bride of Frankenstein. But like Jean-Paul Gaultier did like the tissue paper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I just got invited um, to go to Canada next week to go ghost hunting at the most haunted place in Winnipeg. That's exciting. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I'm going with friends who have never been ghost hunting before, but they secured this location for like two hours. And we are going to go and I'm going to try and bring all my ghost hunting kit. The Canadian border gets weird for me. Do you ever have a problem going over to Canada? No. So, but um, I don't try to bring ghost equipment. Like well, I've guys, never this shit looks random. People don't know what it is. I know. I've <laughs> never tried to bring ghost equipment before because I've never done a ghost hunt over there. I don't think. But um, just going over there normal, I get picked apart. Whoa! Like they go through every single thing in my bag. They open up my purse. They pull out every like business card, and they're like, "Oh, who's this?" And oh my god! Every little thing. Like it takes me like two hours to get through because they like they open up my bag. They're looking 
looking for drugs. Do you watch that show on TV where they it's like at the border and they try and catch people smuggling drugs? I've seen that before, but I don't think that's what they're looking for. They are accusing me of like working there. This is when I used to do a lot of club appearances Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I would get I would go there to do appearances. And also when I was doing Playboy Energy Drink Uh and they say you are taking a job away from a Canadian. So you have to pay us all this money to come in. And I'm like, no, I'm not taking a job away from a Canadian. I was hired to do an appearance. Yeah. It's unique to you. Yeah. That they hired me because of Mm -hmm. I'm me. And they're like, no. You have to pay us. And then I have to sit there and fight with them about whether... You have to find the Bridget of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> whether I'm, you know, and so it takes forever and they go through everything. So yeah, I'm going there to do that. So that is another Halloween type thing that I'm doing. So I'm super excited. That's exciting. Yeah. So happy Halloween, guys. Let's get into our Marston interview. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Yeah. Before we started shooting Girls Next Door, the way the show originated, which I'm sure you're aware now, was they wanted to do it about you and your brother and your mom and call it Growing Up Hefner. Were you aware of that at the time at all or was that a secret? Yeah, we were aware and we were like trying to decide whether that would be like a good idea. Yeah. Did you want to do it or were you like, hell no? I don't think it made me nervous to imagine being on TV at that age. Um, And if you're nervous about something like that, then you're probably not going to be like a good presence on TV. Um, So I don't think I was ready really to have like a successful reality show at that point in my life. Yeah. What would be a lot of that age because you were really young. Yes. What were your thoughts on the show when it finally started filming and airing? Like, did your friends at school know about it? Did you think it was dumb? Do you think it was embarrassing? Do you think it was funny? <laughs> but it was awesome. Everybody was talking about it at school. Um, they were watching it. And and I think my my honest opinion at that time was I was a little stuck up. And I thought that, you know, my father was an intellectual and this isn't what intellectuals do. Um, this is like... A, Back then, it was like a reality show. Who does reality shows? Now, <laughs> Kim Kardashian's doing reality shows. Like, at least for me, I don't have the same kind of stuck up stigma towards reality shows now. I was just judgmental. I think because I, I, I was a kid and I don't know. I don't know why I, I did that. I, I think maybe I prized like reading books and somehow that means that you can't be on a reality show. Like, it didn't make sense. I was just judgmental for no reason. Nail salon and the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Well, I think it's understandable. I think a lot of people think that. And I think that's one of the reasons at first, like your dad didn't really want to be on camera so much. Like, let's kind of see what this turns into at first. Right. I mean, and we were nervous going into it. I was like, are they going to like catch us like drunk, pissing, you know, just like <laughs> I didn't know what they were trying to catch us doing. <laughs> were you drunk and pissing? What's going on here? No, the reason I thought of that is because like back at the time like reality tv i felt like was so much about like embarrassing people and catching them doing things and there was this show called the surreal life and Vern troyer was on it 
and he was really wasted. And he like ended up like naked on a scooter, pissing everywhere. They caught him like masturbating in bed. And I was like, holy shit, if that is reality TV, no. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the example I always use when I think of like back then, I felt like reality TV was always trying to like trick people into things kind of. Yeah, that does seem dirty because everybody master, every, most men masturbate in bed. Yeah. I mean, the fact they're going to like tape that and then report. Yeah, I was really worried about it, too, because like we said, with the seven girlfriends there, there was so much drama going on and it was like Survivor. And when we finally got rid of that and it was just the three of us, just Holly, Kendra and I, we really legitimately got along really well. And I was worried that this show was going to come in and really rock the boat and try and pit us against each other and try and get us to say bad things about each other or make us jealous of each other or do anything that might ruin when we finally were like had peace and we're getting along and we're enjoying the lifestyle finally. I think what's nice about what you guys did is it felt genuine. It didn't feel like we're starting drama where it didn't exist. Uh, from the outside, it looked really, I just enjoyed watching. I just rewatched it with Anna. We, we had a blast. It's Fun. just a funny show. There's, yeah. an, there's a scene where my dad's walking outside. I don't know if you guys know this scene, but he's walking out in the backyard, which was like bizarre because I didn't know he did that. He's walking <laughs> out in the in his backyard and he's, look, he's looking out across his gorgeous three-acre back and, and he goes where are all the peacocks <laughs> oh, i know that scene it's fucking funny it just yeah. seems so random, <laughs> yeah, it's so random. <laughs> he's like really concerned about it <laughs> yeah. and then this the episode ends or something yeah <laughs> so then we move on and hef meets crystal did you have any thoughts on that at this time i don't want to get into that i guess you know I just, I want everybody to kind of be loving and she's been kind to me. So I, I'll reciprocate that back. Yeah. It seems like there was around that time, maybe a shift in ownership of the company that I don't really, I don't know what it was. Like, I think it went private or something. Yeah. I don't know much about it. I just know that it shifted and he lost some control over the company and it was kind of going in a, I don't know anything. I just know it happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't really know anything about it either because I wasn't there. But like sometimes Kevin would mention it to me. Like it kind of seemed like things went awry a little bit. I don't know. I don't know how well it was doing when it wasn't public. Like I think wow. it was kind of in debt for a while. So. so let's get into like your young adulthood. What was it like dating? Like, did you ever date people and they'd get really insecure because of your last name? Like, did they assume you would be a player or assume that you were cheating or something? Oh, that sounds like raunchy drama. Uh, no. Oh, I didn't know if it was a real thing or not. No, I don't think so. I was so shy. Well, that's good. You know, with girls, I was like really not good with women. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think I was okay. I did okay, but like if I was with someone that I really liked, I would get nervous. And I wouldn't know what to say, and you know, like my eighth grade girlfriend would we'd just stand in the hallways at our lockers, just kind of staring at each other, not knowing what to do, and. <laughs> she broke up with me. <laughs> Did people ask you for a lot of favors too? Like you put on the um, party guest list or even get into the magazine? Uh, yes. But I, I think I think that I did feel pressure to be a playboy, even if I wasn't thinking about it. It's like there was a part of me that's like more sex equals like more awesome person, which was like not a healthy way to go about like courting women. So I do have some regrets, just not kind of trying to get to know people, but trying to get a lay. And I think a part of that came, even if I didn't realize it came from just my upbringing. Sure. Did you ever feel like there were ever people who were like after you or your family's money in some way? Like, was it hard to meet genuine people over the years? Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys know this. The people who were around the mansion were like, they were scoundrels. I mean, it was a really toxic community of not everybody, but like the lawyers and the the staff. I mean, maybe you guys got along. I'm using blanket statements now and I'm not talking about the butlers and stuff like that. But if anybody's listening, don't fucking put words in my mouth. What I'm trying to say is like there were people who were snakes and there were a lot of snakes that my father surrounded himself with. And so I didn't trust any of them. Yeah. The business people, the lawyers, stuff like that. 
That's scary. I didn't ever deal with like the lawyers and shit like that, but that's scary to think of. I was curious. Um, there was always talks of an elevator being put in. And did that ever happen? They did a chair where they like brought him up in the chair and, uh-huh. and you know, like on yeah. the staircase, right. like a, an electric chair. So tell us about college and getting your own place. What did you major in and what did you go into? I majored in philosophy um, with a minor in English. And I burned out on philosophy and stayed really interested in writing. So I just wrote full time. And like, again, that's all because my pop pop was okay with saying, hey, my son wants to be an artist and I'm going to help him pursue his dream. So I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I was like, thank you. Thank you. I didn't ask questions. I just let him give me an allowance that let me do it. And, um, you know, that was him. So thanks. Yeah. And you spent some time in Japan. What was it like living there? Incredible. I would rock climb. I would go to backgammon uh, club. I would uh, go to the bar. Um, and it was really peaceful. The weather's great. And Tokyo is like, even the alleyways, there's something to explore. So yeah. I, I recommend people go there. You know, you guys know if you've been. I yeah. love Tokyo. Yeah. So special. You've spoken publicly about spending a Ferrari's worth of money on therapy. I'm a huge fan of therapy. I think in a perfect world, everyone would go. What made you decide to get into therapy and how do you think it's brought you to where you are now? Made me ready for a relationship because that's, that's excellent. Yeah. Before my wife, my longest relationship was with Claire and it was like two years and neither of us were really ready for that commitment. And so like I, I I had like six month long relationships, whatever. It, it just took me a long time to figure out to go towards somebody who really nice to me and to let the warmth and the friendship turn into something more. I was always looking for that Hollywood romance that my dad always talked about. Yeah. How did you meet your wife and what did you guys initially bond over? I love the way that you described meeting your husband and uh, your ex-husband in, in your Vegas diaries. Mm-hmm. That was such a fun journey. So like I was, I was like a college student, you know, looking for that Hollywood romance. And I was reading your book. I'm like, oh, (laughs) she found it. Yes. Meeting my wife, it was on Bumble. And she was just somebody that I wanted to keep talking to. I was adamant that we would only be friends. And I was adamant about being really honest in a way that I think you are, Holly, no matter what. And so I was like, we're open and we're friends and that's it. And then like slowly... I just fell in love with her. And now it's uh, it's like my person. There's That's nobody a- else. Yeah. So no questions, no doubts. That's just the way it has always been. It's never changed. And we've been together for five, four or five years. Yeah. And you've already had a book published at a young age. How old were you when you had your first book published? I was an undergraduate. So I was 20 years old, probably. Wow. 21. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Can you guys tell me about your guys' romances? I don't know. I'm not caught up on where you guys are at. I've been with him for 15 years. I actually met him at the mansion. He wasn't like a mansion regular or anything like that. But, you know, on Friday nights, Hef would have the classic movie nights and Dickie Ban would always try to bring some somebody or something associated to the movie to the mansion. And it was of Mice and Men. And that was by Hal Roach. And he brought one of Hal Roach's grandsons to the mansion. And I came down stairs i had no makeup on hair a mess on the top of my head and i see this hot guy standing at the bar and that's so unusual for friday nights at the mansion you know we just know everybody and it's all the old people <laughs> and maybe there's a few playmates testing or whatever and i was like oh my god who's that hot guy and then i uh, of course he's sitting right next to dickie band which is only two seats away from me and I just thought like, I don't, I don't really believe in love at first sight, but like, I definitely was smitten at first sight. And I, I was producing a horror movie that we were filming for Girls Next Door at that time. And he was a director. And so I asked Dickie Ban um, later if I could have his email address. And well, actually it was the other way around. We, we had been talking about him possibly directing. And then, um, a couple weeks later, Dickie Ben said, remember that guy that I brought to the mansion a few weeks? I was like, yeah, <laughs> well, he asked for your email address about talking to you about directing. And I was like, oh yeah, he could have my email address. 
And it started out like business first. And we did, he did work on the telling that we filmed. And then um, after that, it turned to flirting and been together ever since. Wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Are you still doing uh, uh, movies? Are you still producing movies? I wish. I want to, but no, I am not. But I would love to. And Holly's in a long-term relationship. Yeah, I've been with the same guy for four years. He has a haunted museum in Vegas. And I went to that one day and we just bonded over creepy puppets. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to watch your uh, your horror movie, Bridget. If if you could send it to my email. Um, I It's the Halloween season. Any horror movies you guys have done, I, I'm in. You know what? So. I do not have it. I was not even allowed to have any kind of creative on it. And neither was he. The production company took it over. And they changed a whole bunch of stuff about it to like really weird stuff I heard about. Yeah, but it's true. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, I have had zero control over it. I have zero ownership of it, anything. And it's called The Telling and you can, it is available for streaming. I forget where, but you can stream it because people message me almost daily saying they watch the movie and I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Were you close with Mary O'Connor? I was, but I heard she was talking shit about me for like no reason. But growing up as a kid, she would like give me crackers with peanut butter in it and I'd play, <laughs> hang out with her birds. And, you know, so over, you know, that's petty stuff over here. She was really sweet to me. For, um, and I think she did love me a lot. And she had these little poodles and we'd play with them. Yeah. Yeah. We were always very um, close to Mary. Yeah. She was sort of like the house mom. What, do you think that her death had a big effect on Hef? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he was getting older. And why? What do you guys think? I just well, feel like Mary was really had your dad's back, like a hundred percent. And I, I mean, we've talked before about how we feel like things kind of changed there a little bit after Mary passed away. And yeah, I hear you. But at the same time, I feel like my dad was always kind of the boss. Like what he wanted ultimately was what he got. Oh, no, 100%. That's yeah. true. But it also helps to have somebody who has your back who's kind of like filtering a little bit. And she I, was I very much a, a get shit done person. So he would he was in charge and he wasn't he was the boss and what he said went. But Mary made sure things got done. And she knew she knew who to call. And she knew, you know, she had that Rolodex and she was she was, she was the one. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. She's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I wasn't there um, at the mansion when she passed away or as part of the life after that. But I just always felt that it must have been really hard for her to kind of continue the day to day activities without having her around. She was kind of like, a, I felt like they were kind of a rock for each other. I agree. I agree. I don't think anything dramatically worse happened that, that she left. But yeah, she was like the foundation, one of the foundations, one of the keystones up there for sure. Yeah. Did you ever go over to the Playmate house across the street, the Mapleton house? I did. Um, I wasn't supposed to go there, right? Because it was only <laughs> women allowed. That's so funny. So I went to anyways. <laughs> we people like... who don't know, I think it was, I think they had a rule there that that um, only women could be there because they didn't want like the Playmates bringing Joe in and then Tyler in and just it becoming crazy, which I understood. Yeah. yeah. We liked that house and we loved the pool and yeah. we were, we were sad because that was the first property that got sold. Oh yeah. That was like the property that like maybe didn't make sense financially to even buy. I remember like people were like, oh my gosh, this is pretty expensive. It's like on Holmby Hills and it's just to house playmates. Like how, like it didn't really generate money. You know, I think they tried to make it a reality show sort of thing that didn't work out. Yeah, I think it went up in value a lot over the few years your dad had it though. Cause I want to say he like bought it for five million and then like five years later it was worth like 10 million or something fucking crazy. I could be wrong on those numbers, but I think it like jumped up. Right. It was used for parking. I mean, so it's like a parking lot that's like making five million dollars in years or something. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, not bad. And then when was your mom's house sold? Two thousand something. I don't know, two thousand nine. Not sure. I don't remember these things. I'm really bad with dates. Yeah. That was right as we were leaving then. I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah, it was sort of soon. Yeah. 
yeah. then the the mansion was sold. And was that weird? I mean, what was happening at that time? Was that a very weird time? It was fine. It was sad too because like the mansion was really cool. Uh, we we it was my home, and when you sell it then you know that you can never go back like now we can never go back right even if we wanted to it's just different yeah and so the memories now or for me are like talking to you guys reminiscing like that's what's fun for me because we can all go back there together you know in our imaginations and stuff in our memories yeah I don't, I, it makes me sad because I always just thought, I don't know why, maybe I was just delusional, but I always thought that it would somehow stay within the family somehow. I knew that that, that kind of wasn't the trajectory it was on, but I, I still was like hopeful that maybe, and I even saw it, even though I was told that it wasn't zoned for this, I was always thought that maybe it would be sort of like a Graceland where people could come and like, you know, experience it and see what it looked like and walk through a museum style. I always thought like those types of things, like maybe somehow that would happen someday. I think a lot of people wanted that. I would have liked that. I think yeah. a lot of people want to go to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love to go back. I would love to experience it again. I'm so curious if the owner still has any of the animals that were there when we were there. Like I'm dying to know. <laughs> I know the redwoods, a lot of it's just cut down, just straight up. That down. shouldn't be allowed. I feel like those trees are important. I know. Yeah, I, I mean, have, I, you, yeah. have you seen aerial views of everything that's going on? I mean, it's crazy. I don't know. I feel a certain way, but I'm trying to like follow Jesus and just be kind of nice, as nice as possible. But there's no but. I'm just, you know, I wish him the best. He owns it. It's sad, though. It's sad because yeah. we, that property's like one of a kind. Yeah, hopefully a lot of the important things are being preserved. Well, I know I'm sad about it and I, I just hate seeing what's going on. And every time somebody sends me aerial views of all of the construction and all the things that are changing and stuff, and I just, I I feel a sense of loss and it makes me really sad. Yeah, same. The greenhouse. I know, oh, yeah, that's been gone. I want the aviary. That was so cool. But that yeah. was gone before this guy bought it. The, Hef did that in his time. Really? The greenhouse was gone? Yeah, that bird aviary and everything. Mm-hmm. They needed they more parking. parking LOL. Yeah. 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 They had that monkey in the in the greenhouse that would piss on itself to keep itself clean. And I would just touch it. I, oh, it's so cute. Burnt. Oh, my God. Monkey. I think it was a nocturnal monkey. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you remember that? The monkey that in the aviary in the greenhouse? I remember the monkeys in there were the tamarind monkeys, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah those are so cute. So congratulations on being a new dad. What's the most surprising thing for you about fatherhood? Frustration. I thought it was all going to be like wonder and fireworks, but like sometimes baby's crying and it doesn't make sense why baby's crying. Um, And so realizing like how much of the way that I was brought up influences the way that I feel like I should bring up my kid um, and just kind of like trying to improve what is like so ingrained, like I'll be more specific, like um, I can't do it because I don't want to shit on on family, but basically just like the flaws of your childhood um, become like a, a pattern that feels really natural to to raise your ch- your own kid that way. And so doing that work so that doesn't happen. So you've got a ton of attention lately for joining OnlyFans. You're one of the most popular creators. And there were a lot of really fun headlines out about how you wanted to earn money to buy these rare Pokemon cards. Was that something you knew would attack would attract a lot of attention? Or were you surprised at how much attention that got? I was surprised because I was saying it, you know, the tablets are so good at finding something that will like pop. Because I yeah. was saying it to them like, this is just awesome. I was thinking of it in like a, isn't it awesome that I get to fund my Pokemon collection with like OnlyFans? Like, gee, <laughs> it's just so neat. And then, of course, they find an angle where it's like wife isn't okay with OnlyFans, but husband gets to like spend all of his money on Pokemon cards. And so it's like, um, it wasn't at all what I thought it would be. But like, I think I'm naturally like provocative or poke or find find. <laughs> Because I'm like a writer, so I'm always trying to think of like what's interesting. Yeah. So in that way, yeah, I kind of headlines, you know, like me. Yeah. 
it was, I thought it was a fun story about the Pokemon. What do you love about OnlyFans and what would you change about the platform if you could change anything? Instagram is like, um, brings weird people like you guys are on Instagram. So, you know, like it's just, uh, uh like for example, I had a bris with my son and if you don't agree with brisses and circumcision, great, but don't fucking talk to me about it because I circumcised my kid, you know, like, and we had a long conversation about it. I'm not saying it's great or it's whatever, but I did it. Leave me alone. And I celebrated my bris on, on the, on my Instagram by saying, you know, baby's bris party and here's family. Here's the beautiful uh, food that we had. And somebody wrote should be illegal. It's like a bizarre thing to, why are you following me? If you're just like hate following. Yeah. So, so that doesn't happen on OnlyFans. Like people are like immediately like receptive, interested, encouraging, affirming, kind. And it's just, it feels good. It feels healthy to like have that energy. Yeah, for sure. What's your guys' uh, experience been on, on Instagram? Instagram is not my favorite. Like I have fun posting pictures, but I feel like it's more like a sour grapes, like grumpy attitude on Instagram. I can feel yeah. like I can be on TikTok and people like want to hear your story and they're open-minded and they're supportive. But like I could post the exact same thing on TikTok as an Instagram reel and people on Instagram act like I just fucking shit in their cereal. It's like a weird attitude shift. It's bizarre. I feel like it's like kind of older, grumpier people on Instagram and like more younger, open-minded a little bit on TikTok. Same with Instagram. Like, it, I mean, I get a lot of positive, but then there's always those people that are like, ew, why did you do your hair like that? Or you need yeah. to stop talking. Uh, that was seven years ago. Get alive. Or, you know, or that was, you know, 18 years ago, whatever, get alive. Like just negative comments and things that I don't need to hear. I didn't ask for your opinion. I didn't, if that's the way you feel, then move on. But they just feel like they can just give you their opinion no matter what, even if you didn't ask for it. Yeah, that doesn't happen on OnlyFans. Like if somebody's following you, it's because they're like really into you, right? So it's just nice to have pretty much consistently positive experiences. Um. Have you ever got any weird requests on OnlyFans that made you laugh? Yeah, one guy asked me to fart. And another girl said, fart on my face or I'll fart on your face. And I was like, okay. He was like, yeah, I'm going to fart on your face. She just kept saying she's going to fart on my face, fart on my face. So <laughs> there's like people who like, I'm into whatever you guys are into. If they want to fart or whatever, I don't care. I, I have really weird um, things that I'm into, but uh I feel like there's like frack, like this one guy I feel like was like a frack guy, maybe went on to OnlyFans and wanted Marcin Hefner farting video for his friends. Um, so like the ulterior motive in that situation made me kind of. Yeah, if you're getting a gut feeling about it, it's like yeah. better not. <laughs> yes. Do you remain friends with a lot of people from the mansion? Like, did you ever bond with any of like your dad's manly night friends or like? Yeah, and Andy Schwab, you guys talked to who yeah. was video. Um, he worked at video. He's like my manager slash agent. Mm -hmm. And that's like he and I's relationship embodies exactly what I want to do like when I'm being successful, which is like to be around people I love and we all win sort of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Sure. That's awesome. And how's Christy and David and Cooper and everybody, everybody thriving? Everybody's thriving. Awesome. Yeah. It's weird because I just feel like they were so much, all of you guys were so much a part of our lives for that time. And then I just never have seen them again. And it's very weird. I agree. I I agree. Um, you know, that's why I'm glad that, that I'm here and we get to reconnect. I would like yeah. to continue you know, on Instagram or whatever's best for everyone just yeah. to keep tabs and say what's up because I think it's awesome what you guys have turned. You guys were a big moment in a specific time in history and you guys are still doing great stuff. And I just, it's, it means a lot to, to see you guys. So thanks for you. And like I was saying earlier, before we started recording, like that's been one of my favorite things about this podcast is just reconnecting with people I haven't talked to in like 15, 20 years. And 
being able to go back and like reclaim the good memories too, you know? Totally. There were so yeah. many good memories. Yeah, totally. At Christmas. Right? Oh my God. With the eggnog and the silver yeah. yes. bowl. Yeah. Christmas was so much fun. Were you there? Did you come over when we had the snow? Oh my God. Yes. The snow. So good. We finally got to do a Christmas episode. So Kevin decided we're, we'll finally do the snow. And he even showed up. Like he didn't show up to set, but he showed up in his little folding chair, like sat back, just looking like a proud dad, like at the snow. It was so much fun. And the, I think they did the show. They did a show clip for it too, right? Yeah. Christmas yeah. episode. See, it was my idea a long time ago because I always wanted to do the rolling hills because I thought it would be so fun to go tubing down the rolling hills on with snow. And like Holly said, it was just way too expensive to do that whole rolling hill. So we brought in, they brought in like um, uh, hay bales and we just did, they put snow all over that and we were able to like do a little bit of tubing and make snowmen and... Can you imagine tubing down the rolling hills though, like where the slope and slides were? Like you would go flying into the road. Like, I know. You'd have to put up like golf nets. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then the slip and slides. Did you, you did the slip and slides, right? Of course. Yeah. So awesome. It's one of those things where you look at like the highlight reels of Instagrams and you go, oh, it's not that good. But in those situations, those memories, they were better than it looked. They were, I loved, I loved the the snow and it inspires me to do the same with my kid to give him that special holiday feeling when Christmas comes. Like the fact that Christmas was so special at the mansion, so special to my family. It's like, I have to have that in my son. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You have to create those memories. Did you have a favorite holiday as a kid? Was Christmas? Christmas. Yeah. So whenever October, November, December, it's my favorite time of the year. And I feel happier because my parents just did such a good job. That's so amazing. Were you scared of the haunted house as a kid? I loved it. Me too. (laughs) Loved it. It was the best. If I was a little kid, I'd be terrified of that haunted house. It was legit scary. It was was legitimately scary. The the guy, they, they would take the tennis court and they built a haunted house maze tour thing on the tennis court. And these guys worked from sun up to sundown, six, seven days a week. And I would go over to the tennis court and get to hang out with them and chat. So I became friends with the people who were working at the haunted house. There was a certain smell. I don't know if you guys remember yes. the smell of the wood. <laughs> yeah, you can smell it. Um, and then the actual day of the haunted house and the, the tombstones with the lights, um, on the front yard just i loved that day and the whole month yeah it was so cool it was incredible they definitely did it right um speaking of some of that stuff that did you um they did an auction and got rid of a lot of your dad's things did were you able to go to the house and and get things pick things out yeah yes things that weren't valuable right things that weren't going to be auctioned i was able to pick them out yeah but like i wouldn't be able to pick out something that would sell for $10,000 or something like that. Yeah. But you were able to get sentimental things. Yes. Oh my god. Remember this? I do oh, in the game, game house, game right? House. Yeah. That's so funny. Budweiser man. Oh my god, I didn't know it did that. <laughs> Was it weird? I I just don't know how I would feel about seeing all of the stuff that I grew up with like that cuz even for me just having been there for 7 years, it felt kind of weird seeing all of these things being sold and up for auction. I mean, Holly and I went through the auction books and we were, we had so many memories about like just the most random of things. And I just think that it had to be like so much, even so much weirder for you even. It was. And and there were so many opportunities that I didn't, I was too young to really do and to, to capitalize on. Like the things that mattered to us weren't what mattered to the public. And so they were selling his watch. Mm-hmm. watch that he wore every fucking day that beautiful humble watch sold for like four hundred dollars and i would love to have that watch for that yeah, price. and I, I feel like the monopoly table needed to stay in the family yeah that custom monopoly <laughs> I'm like table. All stuck on the monopoly table <laughs> no i hear you but at the same time i think he kind of did it to himself because like it wasn't technically his property like I think that stuff like was the companies or 
weird. something. Like it wasn't, yeah, it's not, it, it wasn't as if, so, so why I'm thinking this is one, the mansion wasn't his anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it was like the company's and that was how he was even able to live there because it was so expensive. Yeah. I don't think he could finance it alone. So when you think about it like that, it wasn't as if somebody passed away and then his items were go to his kids. Like it wasn't technically his possession. So I don't think it was up to us. To, yeah. The way he set it up. That's interesting too, though, because some of those things were gifts. Like I know that the Monopoly table that was custom made for him was a gift, right, Holly? I don't know if that was the original player pieces were gifts. Oh, the pieces. I don't know about the board though. I think you might've had that made. And then I know even some of the artwork that like we were in and it was gifted to us was sold in the auction (laughs) and things that we had gifted to him. That's bizarre. I think, you know, who knows? I don't know what the, it wasn't well done, I guess. I don't want to be too critical. I just think they just sold everything and it uh, it wasn't ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Was he sick for a long time? Yeah. He was really sick for a long time. He had some really bad back problems. And you guys you guys knew that, didn't you? You knew yeah, that he was unwell. We knew about the back. I mean, he had back problems even when we were there. It didn't stop him from anything. I mean, we were still, he was still dancing at the club and <laughs> this was different. Yeah. This was different. Like he had back problems, but when we when in my day he was he was taking so many uh what the the painkillers that it was like he had to take painkillers in order to avoid his his intense back pain. And then the painkillers would not make him pretty coherent. Like mm-hmm. so it was like really sad to watch him deteriorate. Oh, that's right. And it was like, you're fucked either way. It's like you go through this impossible amount of pain or you just go into wonderland and you don't know what's going on. And was, that was really tough to watch. Yeah. Do you have any affiliations with Playboy now? No. <laughs> no. And what about um, Secrets of Playboy? Yeah, I think um, I'll, I think it's really hard for. Well, first of all, what do you guys think? I'm curious. We have really mixed feelings about it. Like when I was asked to do it, I didn't really want to do it because I was like, well, I already wrote a book about it. But then I felt like I wanted to be supportive of Sandra. And um, I think there's a lot of stuff in Secrets of Playboy I can relate to. But I think there's also some people who went on that I think are completely full of shit. That's like literally exactly how I feel. Yeah. So it's complicated. When I did it, I knew kind of the spin that they were going to take with it and I didn't want to do it. And I I fought it for a long time and my agent really pushed for me to be a part of it. And when I went on, I did an, I got there at like eight in the morning and I didn't leave till eight at night. So I interviewed all day long and I would say 98% of my <laughs> story was all positive and happy memories. And they took like, two sentences that I said that just reiterated what Holly said, which is fine. I said that and that is true, but didn't share any of my story or my positive memories whatsoever. I think that's really important to think about if whoever's listening to this podcast and listening to it, all of it, there's a difference between what you hear in the tabloids or what you hear in an editing room and and when you get the full video and you get the full podcast and you get the full because all of us here know what it's like to go into an interview with a tabloid press and know that they're going to take two minutes out of a 45 minute like in-depth conversation yeah i have really strong feelings about that like i'm fine talking about all of my stuff on like a long-form podcast or in my book but when i see stuff that's taken out of it and just made into a headline i want to like crawl into a corner and die because it's so one-dimensional and it sucks but what you're saying holly um that's like exactly how I felt. And I feel like I sympathize with people who don't know anything about the mansion because for them to decipher what's true and what's fake, it's like I'm having a job of it going, oh, that's so right. This guy's saying something that I haven't heard anybody say ever about the mansion. And it's spot on. And then the next time there's somebody else and it's like, who is, what is this? This is like a clear money grab and a, press play and that 
So I think most people watched that show assuming everyone was full of shit when because they have no way of really deciphering what's real and what's fake. Yeah, 100%. But I was blown away by that show when I saw all the real stuff that was going on or or what I thought could have been true. I thought that was stuff that had never been said before. I'm curious, and I thought we would get to it in the interview, and then either I just didn't find the spot or I forgot when we were in that moment but you said something at the very beginning of like causing frustration for me at the mansion what'd you mean by that oh that we were like running around like fucking one in the morning outside your door and i remember you like had did you wear a sleep mask no no okay so it's just that's not what happened but you would come outside and you'd be like guys like stop fucking running it's like one in the morning and we would keep you up because we were pests. We were <laughs> locusts running around the whole hallways as if like the place had no bedtime schedule, which for us it didn't, but guys, it obviously did. No, that's funny. I do remember that kind of, I thought you were going to tell a different story. What was the story? <laughs> I just remember one time, so I had a um, a Halloween tree outside my room that I decorated with all these little ornaments and they're like these little glass ornaments. And one time I came home and the tree was like knocked over and all the glass ornaments were like broken. And I was told that the boys were getting rambunctious with the tree. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. That's like, that just sucks. That would suck. Like you have something that you really love and then we ruined it. I'm sorry about that. I. <laughs> it's okay. I don't think I did that. I don't think that was me, but it was. I'm sorry. It's okay. I forgive whoever. Could have been Archie. (laughs) Could have been Archie for sure. You never know. (laughs) So you have so much on your plate right now. I know you're content creating, you're writing, you're a new dad. Anything else on the horizon? Any future goals you want to tease? I hate it when people ask me that, by the way. So I don't even know why I'm fucking asking that. (laughs) I think it's a good question for me, at least because... I don't talk about my writing that much because it's like I'm shy about talking about my art, but um, I've been writing for like 12 years, uh, 13 years. And so if you guys want, if you guys like um, what I'm up to, you know, you could buy my book um, on Amazon. Uh, Just type in Marston Hefner High School Romance, or you could go to MarstonHefner.com. You'll find something there. Um, Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. What's it about? It's about sexuality, loneliness, romance, uh, written in like experimental fiction, uh, literary fiction sort of way. So I don't think most people will like it, but uh, I think a few people might might get a laugh out of it. It's kind of funny sometimes. I think it sounds relatable. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you guys writing anything or working on anything? Not right now. I'm just kind of like editing the podcast and trying to keep up with that, doing true crime shows. Nice. I'm I'm writing a book about my um, Playboy days, a memoir. I've actually started writing it a long time ago. One of the reasons that I really wanted to go up and see Hef is I wanted to talk to him about it and just sort of, not that I felt like I needed his blessing, but I just sort of wanted him to know that I was doing it. And um, never really got that or never got that. And um, and then I put it on hold for a long time. And a lot of people, now that we've been doing the podcast, have been encouraging me to bring it back out and finish it. So I'm trying to do that right now. I think that's awesome. I think what, what you said, remember, you had that dream with my dad. Um, yes. Kind of, it felt like a forgiveness dream in a way or just like he's okay kind of dream. Like. I had I had I had a similar dream to that with him where I was um in the med room and it was just me and him and I when I would talk to him about kind of being critical of maybe some of the ways that he raised me he would like turn his head and he was upset and then it helped me kind of process cuz then I would say something like you I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I was basically like trying to process how much he loved me and how to see him in a loving way without why. Uh, and like at the end of the dream, he was like looking at me and he was smiling and uh, it felt like a kind of 
it felt like more than a dream, basically. It felt like maybe my mind trying to come to terms with our relationship or him just saying, like, it's okay to forgive me. You know, like, I wasn't that fucked up. Like, he really wasn't. But, like, you can let go. And that I liked that dream. And it reminded me of the dream that you had. You know what's so interesting is that mine was also in the med room. And I wonder why that is. Really? You're kidding me. That's so interesting. Wow. I had a dream about later in the med room too, and I didn't necessarily feel like I was being visited or anything, but it was the one vivid dream I had since he passed. I dreamed I was there in the med room and I was there with someone, just a random person who was thinking about buying the house and Hef took me aside and he's like, I want to show you something in the living room. So I went to the living room and he had like these paintings that some artists had made that was like, this is so dumb, an interpretation of like the Christmas trees over the year. And he's like, I just wanted to tell you that everybody really liked your Christmas tree. And then he showed me a picture of like Crystal's Christmas tree. And he goes, she tried. <laughs> and it's so stupid, but it was such a vivid dream. And Bridget, he was wearing the same Christmas pajamas as in your dream. That's so weird. Oh, so random. All in the bedroom. Yeah. And and I don't know how you feel about paranormal things or anything like that, but this this was so much more than a dream. Like I could feel, I could feel his smoking jacket. I could smell his cologne. I could feel the warmth of the hug that he gave me. I heard his, what we used to call the big laugh that he had. Like it was, it, it was so real. It was so real. I can't, I, I just don't have dreams like that. This to me didn't feel that real, but I absolutely believe in like the paranormal, mm-hmm. um, like that that stuff could happen. And it felt like it felt like more than a dream to me. Like I was processing in a in a really quick way all of my grief, all of my resentments, and it felt like it was him who was helping me with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe it. Maybe he's just kind of figured it out a little bit now that he's up up there. I think everybody does when they get to the other side. Yeah, I think so. I believe that. I believe that too. Well, this has been amazing. (laughs) Likewise. Yeah. I'm so glad. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to, I was just, just knowing what you guys are saying and what you guys are up to. It's, it's just, I felt like such an affinity because it feels like you don't have an agenda as much as other people do. And so I was really looking forward to this conversation. And so I'm grateful. Thank you. Me yeah, too. thanks for doing so glad it. we had it. And anytime you want to come back on, if there's anything new you want to talk about or promote or anything, we'd Absolutely. love it. Absolutely. If there's any way that I can help you guys promote whatever y'all are doing, I'd love to in the Thank future you. as well. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Awesome. Well, let's all keep in touch, everybody. Absolutely. Yes. Um, can I ask you a couple? We could stop recording, but I wanted to ask you a couple of things stop off the record, record, if you don't mind. Sure. No, I don't mind at all. Here, let me stop recording first. Okay, I know you guys are probably not happy that we just left you hanging on. Let's keep talking, but turn off the recording. But we had to do it. We hadn't caught up with Marston in like 20 years. So, And I had some things I definitely wanted to talk to him about that he um, said he didn't want to talk about on the show. So so we have to respect. Yeah, and I'm like, but will you talk to me personally about these things? Because I have to know. And... One of the things that popped out at me so much from this portion of the interview was when he said Hef surrounded himself with a lot of snakes. Because my first thought when he said that was like, who? Because I'm thinking of like Hef's Manly Night Friends and the buffet and movie crowd. And I think those were all pretty nice people. Were there a couple who were like cheesy and maybe sycophant should have been their middle name? Sure. But I think for the most part, they were like really nice people. I think most of them were, but there was definitely when... When he said that, there was a definitely a few people that popped to mind that come to those things that I was like, oh, does he mean these people? Yeah. And then he said it was a lot of like attorneys and stuff, which I never had to deal with those people. So I wouldn't know. But I think there were some office staff that didn't have uh, have best interest at mind. Do you think that was after we left? I think there might have been some when we were there. Yeah. Interesting. I think there were definitely some people on the business end that 
I don't know that I knew it at the time. I think maybe I sort of got like an mm-hmm. ick vibe from them, but like didn't really know where that was coming from or feel like that was my position to even weigh in on it all. Yeah. But looking back on it now, I feel like there were definitely some people there who didn't have his best interest in mind. And um, I, I think it stands out more now looking back on it. Yeah, I think I think maybe I know who you're talking about. And I also think that person maybe wasn't cut out for that job. Oh, I don't think so either. Like just wasn't really that good at it. <laughs> and I think they showed their true colors later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know specifics of who he was talking about. I mean, I think after we left, there's some candidates for sure. Yeah, after we left, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So that's dark. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things I thought was interesting is that he was talking about how we were we were asking him about when the show came out, like what did mm-hmm. he think about it? And I this really struck me and I've been thinking about it ever since. He he kind of said and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that his dad was more of an intellectual and he mm-hmm. thought that the reality show was like a not intellectual enough for his dad and I feel like a lot of people felt that way and I feel like a lot of people still think that way that if you're an intellectual and you read books and you're smart that you that reality tv is below you or people that do reality tv is below you I kind of even though I come from reality tv I still kind of feel that way (laughs) But, but it's not just a snobby thing it's I think for me now where it comes from more is I just know how the drama just isn't worth it half the time. Like I think for us, because it was like the early days of reality TV and we were able to like make lemonade out of lemons, it worked out. But I was just listening to the Juicy Scoop podcast and Heather McDonald had one of the Real Housewives on and they were just talking about how like now is it even worth it to do Real Housewives? It like blows up people's marriages. Every skeleton they have comes out of the closet. It's so much drama Like it was different back in the day where you could use it as a springboard like Bethany Frankel or Lisa Vanderpump. But it's like, is it worth it now? Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting when you guys were talking about how back in the day you kind of felt like the mansion would somehow stay within the family. And I was trying to remember what did I think about it at that time? Because I knew – because I had asked Mary about it, like, point blank, like, what's going to happen to the house? And she said, well, Hef would love for it to be like a Graceland, but that could never happen because it'd be so expensive and the zoning wouldn't allow it. And I was trying to remember what I thought since I was, like, planning on being there forever, what I thought would happen with the mansion. I think I just knew that at the time everybody felt like, well, it's probably going to get sold because who can afford to keep it up but I think in the back of my mind maybe I hope that like the company would use it for something or it would be able to be like a party venue or something like I knew I wasn't going to be living there well I think we also thought that Hef was going to live a lot longer than he did I mean obviously he lived to be old like he was what 91 I I think so but um, his mom lived to be 101, and I think that I just thought he had a lot more time left than he did. Oh, me too. Like, I fully took it for granted that he was going to live to be 100 because mm-hmm. his mom did. And I think he thought he was going to live to be 100. I think so, too. Because he would kind of talk like that because everybody would hype him up so much like, oh, you're so young, you're 75, and you're still going out to the clubs. So when you feel like you're young for your age at any age or healthy for your age at any age, you kind of think that's going to continue the right. same way. And I thought that too, like even when I was picturing like being with him till the end of his life, I knew there was going to be a time where we'd have to install an elevator if he wanted to go down and see his friends. But I didn't, I thought that would be like a long time coming. And I thought, and when I saw him age as rapidly as he did after I left, I was genuinely shocked. And I know that's just like my naivete thinking, oh, he's just going to continue to thrive. But it just was not what I was expecting. I thought he was going to live much longer and I thought he was going to be like a young 100 too, too. like chipper and still, you know, like I thought it was just going to be something sudden that was natural causes and it wasn't going to be like this long drawn out thing. I knew he had the back problems. I didn't know that that was going to escalate into something Mm -hmm. bigger. Um, Yeah, it was just, and then I think even though, you know, at some point he is going to pass away I always just thought it was too weird to think of the mansion being anything than what it was. Yeah. Like I always thought 
have had so much time left, like an extra 10 years than he actually did. And I thought in the meantime, something would happen where the company would decide, oh, well, we could do this with it. Yeah. Or we could do that with it. They'd make it profitable yeah. somehow. I totally thought that too. Or I was at least hoping that, I think. I mean, I know I, I said it in the interview too, or maybe I didn't say it in the interview. I can't remember. But I always like even had like these visions of like my bedroom having like a little rope a stanchion like in front it, of it and like being it, decorated um, the way it was when i was in there <laughs> like at that place where where did we go in san diego the haunted place oh the whaley house yeah, the whaley house where you can go like up to the door and like look in the rooms and there's like a plexiglass but <laughs> yeah you can see inside there yeah and i don't know why it would be decorated the way i had it there were people after me but i just yeah. thought oh this is the they're gonna like put it back to like the pink stripes and the round bed and yeah you know do it the way i had it in here but no that was never to be happening yeah, it's so crazy. And I'm really shocked that Marston has not seen any of the aerial views about what's going on. I mean, maybe he just doesn't want to. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to seek them out. Like, I feel like I've only seen the aerials because I've been looking for it for whatever we've been talking about on the podcast. See, people send them to me. They're like, have you seen this? And oh I'm like, God. oh, <laughs> now I have. I can't unsee it like it's very I mean it's probably better that he hasn't seen them mm -hmm. because it's so jarring and devastating what's happened yeah but nobody really knows what he's doing I mean I I feel like it might look worse than it is I'm hoping like I hope that's not true about the wet redwoods being taken down but when you look at like oh no that's true it is yeah there's some building that's built there now how many fucking buildings do you need on I don't one know. property? Jesus Christ. I don't know what it is. Damn. Save the trees. I know because we used to have a thing when we gave the tours like, this is the largest redwood forest in Southern California. And because it was. It was because there are no others. And now that's torn down part of it anyway. Damn, that's really sad. Because what, what I was going to say before I heard that was he might just be doing a full restoration. Like I know... Like, it looks like he's putting new slate on the roof. Looks like the grotto is being completely scrubbed out. We Probably can't blame that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we hope you guys enjoyed our interview with Marston. We'll be back next week talking about our second pictorial and all the drama that went down with that. And this week, if you want to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash girls next level, we've got our slumber party podcast. We talk about everything else that's been going on in our lives. So we'll see you there. Bye, guys. Bye.